Welcome back to another episode of the Shift Training Podcast. I'm Ed Rudisell, and we have another repeat guest on the show this week. Uh, welcoming back to the show is Mr. Cocktail Wonk, uh, Matt Petrick. Or, yes, hello. Uh, lots of wonks, right? Like, yeah, no. Rum, <coughs> rum wonk, wonk, cocktail wonk, wonk press. The wonk press, right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. So yeah, that's definitely what I want to chat a bit, little bit about today. So... Um, but how you been, man? You you haven't been on the show for a while. I was I was here before well before uh, Inferno Room was a was a bar. So. Yeah, so that's about to be our fifth anniversary. Yeah. So it's yeah at prior least to at that. least six years. So six years. Yeah, yeah, it was. And um, I was supposed little, to come back a couple of years ago, and then on the airlines fucked that one up. So well, and then there was like a, a virus or something yeah. that happened. Yeah, oh yeah, COVID. Yeah, something there. Right, yeah. I know. Yeah. It's like in, enough in the rear view now that people are just like, now, why didn't we do anything? Yeah. It's like, oh, right, yeah. The world, the world shut down. Shut yeah. down, right. Yeah, it's um, yeah, still affecting everybody heavily in the hospitality industry. Yeah. But I've had probably about 20 episodes whining and bitching about that, so yeah. we won't get into yeah, that. Yeah. But the pandemic was interesting for you um, yeah. because in the midst of all that, and this is I've seen as kind of a trend with a lot of uh, some of my um, entrepreneur friends that are like, adjacent to the hospitality industry um that you know it opened up a lot of doors and it you know everybody kind of had to sit at home and figure out next steps and side hustles and all that and for you that led to um to a publishing uh company so yeah that was yeah <clears throat> that was uh, uh, not really our plan when we started it. Uh, we had done, you know, we did uh, Minimalist Tiki before the pandemic, and it was successfully launched. It had been launched for almost a year when the pandemic came along, but um, we always, our, I always had this vision of writing the next book, the Rum Book, but pandemic sort of like, like well, shit, I'm not traveling anymore. Right, I can't do right. it, you know, I'm going to have to do more of this remotely, talking to, to the stories and stuff, but it gave me the time and the focus to have, like there's nothing going on, everything shut down, so I could focus and work my way through the outline and, and just grind away at it. And so, you know, while Carrie, Mrs. Wonk, who was on the podcast last time, um, while she was, you know, trying to get her school degree done and, and going bananas, like not being able to go anywhere, I was like, you know, for that, you know, that one little silver lining was like I had unlimited time to just grind. Yeah, so let's back up and go there because since it has been so long, and I thought you had been on the show a little bit more recently, but um, last time you were on the show, um, you were still primarily just blogging yeah. uh, with some articles here and there um, in print media, but um, Minimalist Tiki, your first book, um, which kind of like pushed out the, um, well, like you said, the, uh, the what became your publishing company, but you know, uh, and that was your first book, right? Minimalist. It TV. was well. So my first rum and spirits. Well, book. rum, right? Yeah, yeah, right. I <coughs> yeah. forgot. You were, were not software. counting like Microsoft Windows books. Yeah, but no, yeah. that that doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't count here. <laughs> yeah, start over. So yeah, let's talk about that because obviously I have a little bit of a passing interest in Tiki. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, it's a pretty cool book, and I regularly see it recommended up with like, you know, it's like always like. What kind of book should I get if I'm learning tiki yeah. and tiki drinks at home? And it's always Smuggler's Cove, Minimalist Tiki, yeah. and some book by Beach Bumberry. Like yeah. it yeah. varies, you know. Yeah, we, 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 we are the, like we are the Avis of, of tiki books. Like <laughs> yeah. we try harder, you know. We're yeah. number two, but we try harder, you know. So and you had to because I mean you did self-publish it, and which, like I said, led to the publishing company. But um, give me the rundown of Minimalist Tiki. I mean, I know that. Um, 
you know, there's so many books out there and mm -hmm. it's so much noise and it's really hard to figure out. I mean, there's a lot of amazing books out there, but if you're just starting out, mm -hmm. it's hard to figure out how to put together a bar without going and investing $16,000 on esoteric rums. Do and I need like macadamia nut liqueur? You know? Well, the answer is yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but so that's what you're kind of plan was for the book how did, how did it work out i mean yeah so actually i'm back i'll go back even a little further um shortly after i think it was actually may have been right around the time i did the first podcast or shortly thereafter i wrote a little article called minimal tiki and that was the like that hey. was on the blog <clears throat> yeah it was on the blog it was okay. just on the blog and i wrote this little article and it did really well and at some point i realized it's like every every week look look at blog stats I'm like shit this is always the one that's that's you know coming up people are, you know people are resonating and the idea mm -hmm. was like as as a home geek a uh, home bar geek i had done them done the math i had done like recognize the patterns and realize mm -hmm. it's not that fucking hard it's just literally like mm -hmm. look at the patterns like lime juice is almost in every recipe <clears throat> jamaican rum is in so many recipes like mm -hmm. look at the pattern and like figure out like um, figure out what, what, what Carrie describes as almost like the shopping list. Like, give me my starting shopping list. Give me something to start with. And so I wrote this minimalist tiki article, and it did popular and it did well. Uh, and then two years later, you know, a long series of, uh, you know, personal events. I mean, I'll say it. Like, my, my son uh, passed away in 2017, mm -hmm. which led to the sort of reckoning of, like, what do we want to do with our lives? Like, mm -hmm. we, you know, we, like... My wife Carrie, me, we both have um, like long-standing careers. <clears throat> we can we can keep doing that, but like, is this what we want to do, or do we want to go chase our dreams? And so, we both agreed to chase our dreams. And Suckers. basically, yeah, <laughs> chase our dream. Uh, we quit our jobs the same day in 2018. Uh, like about a year after my son passed away, we quit our jobs. Sort of like we're going to go chase the dreams now. Um, a little prior to that, I had been trying to get this rum book. You know, I, mean, I know I'm going backwards, but there's actually the story here. I was trying to get this rum book uh, underway. It's like the memento of podcast. <clears throat> yeah. We're going to tell the story backwards. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to get this rum book underway, and we were shopping around to publishers, and nobody would nobody would touch it. They're like, oh, there are rum books out there. Fred Minnick's got a book, and Dave Broom's got a book. Nobody would touch it. And I'm like, frustrated as hell. And one finally one day, Carrie said, like, why don't we just publish this ourselves? And I was like, this is insanity. Like, we can't do this. Like, nobody will buy this type of shit. Um, but one of those publishers said, but if you want to do a cocktail book, yeah, then we can, we'll, like, then we'll talk about doing the cocktail book. And I was like, no, I don't want, no, fuck that. No, I'm sticking my gun. I'm going to do the cocktail book. So 2018 rolls around. Like, we quit our jobs. Uh, Carrie goes to get her master's degree in historic preservation. I was like, okay, I'm going to start writing for magazines and become like one of those journalists once you see <laughs> all things. Uh, and, um, but it was sort of like, it's like, it's like, and I knew I wanted to write this run book, and I realized like, like I, can't, I can't fuck this run book up. I can't let it fail because we don't know what we're doing. Like, right. can we trial run this? Can we beta test the idea of publishing ourselves? And that's when um, Carrie said, look, if you don't turn Minimalist Tiki, the article, if you don't turn that into a book, somebody else is going to do that, and yeah. then you're going to be fucking pissed. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, you fucking stole my idea. So I'm like, I don't want to. No, no, no. But once we had quit our jobs, it's like, well, I have nothing fucking else right. to do. Sure. Uh, I guess I got to do something to try to make some money. And so 
you know, we love Minimalist Tiki, the people who are in it, Inferno Room, you guys, and Chris and Eli and everybody in it, contributed recipes. It was, it was a combination of like our love letter back to Tiki of like, like we, we love this, we love the culture, we love the drinks, we want to help people get started making Tiki cocktails at home. Mm-hmm. We also, we want to bring some attention to other bartenders, like two or three bartenders get all the attention, but there's great people like Jason Alexander. And love Jason. He's <coughs> actually on the show. On the show. Yeah. Yeah. So many, so many um, great bartenders weren't getting recognition, and we're like, let's just make the book around them. And that became uh, half the book. The first half of the book was my writing and my sort of insight. The other half was those recipes. And so um, we set out to do it, uh, and we actually wrote it in an incredibly short period of time. It was insane. Yeah, you were telling me that last night. Like, you, like beginning to end, like, four months. Yeah. You know? four, That's pretty yeah, wild. Yeah, four months. And part of that was in the middle of it. Uh, uh, this book is still not out yet, but before in the middle of that, Alexander Gabriel wanted me to like, write a book. Can you write a book on London Dock Rum and Royal Navy Rum? And I'm like, this is insane. No, I can't. Like, I have to finish this book. We are moving to New Orleans. I have to finish this book by April. It's got to be done. I have can't, absolutely cannot do this. So, yes, I will do this. So in the middle of writing Minimalist Tiki, I sort of spun off, yeah. started doing re- research on London Dock, Royal Navy Rum. Well, Carrie basically picked up the ball and ran, like, it, enough of it was done and ran with, with sort of finishing it. But it was still, we... No, we it's, were, it's a great book. It's easily digestible. It's not a, uh, no insult to your other books, but it's a, it's a manageable size. It's not too, yeah. not too heavy to walk around. I do find it kind of funny that you have such a massive tome that you followed it up with, which we'll talk about here in a few. And it's just massively heavy. And I remember walking around the East Village with you with the giant books oh, from, yeah. uh, from, from Luca, Luca Gargano. Gargano. Yeah, and it was like, wow, this is insane. Why would he make something I, so yeah. big? And then you turn around and did the same I did thing. The same. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I had to carry that book on because it was so heavy. <laughs> I couldn't even like put it in my check bags because it put me over. So oh. I'd like walk around on the plane with that giant <laughs> book from Luca. I, I still have my copy of it. I still, I just the other day, I couldn't even fit it on half of my shelves. It was so tall. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's on my shelf. But like, no, I I saw that picture of you like you and me standing there like, like dorks yeah i like, think we were in, like in front of attaboy or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah like just like yeah that, yep that was ed and me with luca's book so yeah that was funny but uh, so i mean i love the the premise of minimalist tiki and it's cool because there's definitely a niche for it you know i mean martin kate has uh you know obviously such an amazing book with smuggler's cove named after the bar and it's like kind of tweaking some of the classic recipes and how they put them out at Smuggler's Cove because, you know, this is 2023. We don't always want to put four and a half ounces of booze in a zombie or, um, or you know, or you've got, like, the super hardcore traditionalist recipes of, you know, Beach Bomberry, which, thank God, because none of us would be anywhere without right. any of those. Right. And, like, you know, right. like, right. we'd all be talking, no, sitting be around right. talking about, you know, spritzes or something yeah, like yeah. Oh, i don't know it's where cocktails are <laughs> we're drinking long island iced teas again but um you know that would be that would be the extent of tropical cocktails so i mean but you know you've got that kind of area in the middle and the the tiki files are definitely like it's it's interesting in this kind of subset and subgroup and um counterculture if you want to call yeah. it of, of tiki files is like People are either like super into like the the kind of subculture, the fashion of it, 
or maybe they're even super more heavy into the artwork of it, the mm -hmm. sculpting, or they're into the cocktails of it. I mean, or it's usually or, or all like the three. rockabilly or surf music. Right, so it's like it's usually <laughs> all of the above, but there's something that took precedent. For me, I came at Tiki through cocktails. Um, you know, Chris kind of backed into it through music mm -hmm. and exotica and surf. And so, you know, it's you get exposed to all of it, but there's definitely you've got to have the cocktails at some point, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you're not a drinker. And so, you know, a lot of people build home bars and I've definitely been to more than my share of, of home bars. And I've had some really fantastic drinks and I've had some really shite drinks, mm -hmm. you know? And it's, I've been in this industry so long that it's hard for me to remember like when I was 21 and trying to like put together a home bar. And I had, I mean, this was before Google, you know, right. like I was in that mid nineties. I had no idea what to buy. And I ended up with like some weird, stupid, esoteric shit. Like, right. Like all of our parents had that bottle of Galliano. Yeah. Like they, nobody knew what to do with or it. Or Midori. Yeah. Right, right. Well, I know what to do with some Midori. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but you know, and so like this kind of helps with that niche because like I said, you could, you go into a liquor store now, especially with our access to booze these days and micro distilleries and, and uh, craft distillers, it's, there's just so many options out there. It can get very, very confusing, um, but it can be done with relatively few bottles on the shelf, right? I mean, it's, so, I mean how, how many bottles are we talking about? Like realistically, if you wanna be able to like entertain, right? You've got a group of 15 people coming right. over and you want to make some drinks and you don't want to be just making Long Island iced right. teas. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. what, what, what can he, how many <clears throat> bottles are we talking? I'm thinking you could do it well, like multiple parties, uh, 15 different spirits. That's amazing. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. And that, that's, is that counting modifiers, liqueurs, oh, yeah, all yeah, that? I mean, not vermouth. like juice and stuff, but I mean, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, there'll be like, there'll be a vermouth. There'll be like uh, some sort of, you know, chartreuse or something like that. And, you know, maybe two or three rums, maybe a bourbon, maybe a scotch whiskey. Like you mm -hmm. can, you can, you know, and, you know, this challenge with rum is like, unlike the other spirits, there's so much diversity there. You got to have right. more rums. And when you're just getting in, people are like, do I really need six rums? Like, oh no, that's... <laughs> You'll you'll look back to that day right. when you only have six rums is like right. a, is no, an kidding. idyllic time, you know. I'd like to go back to that time where I didn't only spent money on six bottles of rum. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's kind of like coming at the problem backwards from like the total tiki app um, from Beach Bumberry, where like you plug in what you have and it tells you what you can make, which is fantastic right. if you already have it. Right. But if you don't already have it, you kind of have to figure out well. What do I need? And you right. know, a, a lot of the old recipes they call for very specific rums, right. and there was a very good reason for that because if you change the brand of rum mm -hmm. or the producer or the country, that you you could just call it a new drink. <laughs> you know, a right. lot of times it's like, oh, this drink is this, and it's Jamaican rum, but change it to Puerto Rican right. rum. Now right. it's a totally different drink, and so. Um, and actually, know, I want to add. I mean, that's that was actually one of the. Because minimal tiki is not just like what ingredients you will use the most. I mean, that's the core of it. Sure. But also, the the, the hard work, the mental work that people just it just goes right over their head. You know, think about it, is realizing that a very specific like this rum versus that rum. Most people don't right. think of rums in styles. They don't think of think of of like the difference between rum like can just be substituted for that so right, right part of that upfront work in going through all those classic recipes which called for a very specific rum is i had to say like no we're not going to use that rum we're going to put it into a category and like identifying they're basically six styles like jamaican rum is a style it keeps popping up demerara rum is a style 
the upfront work of identity of like mm-hmm. lumping together similar enough stuff. Right. And the same way like otherwise, like well, one recipe might be Grand Marnier, one might say triple sec. Mm-hmm. They're both orange liqueurs. Right. You sort of like you have to it's fundamentally understanding close enough to be substitutable. And I guess that's what I was getting at where I was like, I've been in the industry so long that those things are second nature for those of us in the business. It's like, oh shit, we're out of, you know, grandma or whatever. And like, well, we've got this yeah, over this, here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it always like surprises me how little people know about, you know, what's out there and what's similar to each other. And it's not because I think people are stupid. It's just again, I've spent it's I've spent most of my adult life doing yeah. this, and so you know, it's hard to like reach back to rem- you know when I didn't know anything, right? What anything was, and I saw this conversation happening. Um, well, it happens a lot, but I specifically saw it happening in a um, a forum yesterday. Um, somebody had had asked about making a particular drink that had uh, I think Bacardi or or a Puerto Rican rum in it, and you had made some suggestions like, hey, you know, you kind of have to aim at this for like. What's being intended with what's this the beverage? Intent? Right. Yeah, I said. I said like, what's not important is following the letter of the law. Right. It's following the intent of the law, mm-hmm. understanding why these rumps were specified, and then following that intent with whatever you have on hand, rather than like it said Puerto Rican or said Martini Grum. Martini Grum radically changed over the course of fifty years, but people mm-hmm. were like I followed the letter of the law exactly, and like that's great, but you didn't actually. Follow the intent. And it's, it, it is, um, and you pointed out in your comments, um, responding to that gentleman, uh, that, you know, and a, a lot of these drinks, the rum is there to kind of just beef up the booze in the drink, right? right? Like you, uh, some, a lot of the recipes, I wouldn't say a lot, but some of the recipes are really just like a delivery vehicle for, you know, ethanol. Yeah. And so yeah. it really, unless you're picking a very strongly flavored rum, yeah. it doesn't matter that much. I mean, right. we talk about that all the time. Like yeah. when we make a cocktail, sometimes you'll be like, all right, we've got these three rums blended in here. Right. This is really great and whatever. And then like, we just buried two of the rums. You can't no, taste exactly. any of it, right? It's like, yeah. and these are expensive bottles. And like, if we're just going to do that, why yeah, don't we just move to something that's a little more accessible right. and put, yeah. you know, like the strongest rums foot forward. Right. And that, you know, that was that sort of realization. And we were like, so many patterns. You're like, uh, a Jamaican, uh, Jamaica's canonical. Demerara, at least of that era, is canonical. Now, it's a little harder to like, for modern people to understand what Demerara means. But in that era, sure. it was canonical. And then, you know, one, you know, one tiki recipe has like Puerto Rican rum, one is USBI rum, and one is Barbados rum. Right. One is whatever. And like at the end of the day, it's like, it doesn't really matter because these are going to be buried by the other ones. So. And one of the things I did more recently is I got access to the Maikai rum purchase list. And you could see, like, over 50% of the rum served at the Maikai was a Puerto Rican or USVI mm-hmm. rum. It was these light rums. They were stretching out all their other more pungent, more expensive rum blends. And, but that, like, that's understanding intent. And nobody's really sort of come along and said, like, this is the intent right. of this. So reaching back to some of those original recipes from 40s, 50s, 60s, and, like, kind of determining intent... How much has how much have those rums changed? You know, because obviously we've seen uh, the merging of a lot of distilleries. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's now primarily three companies that own all of the big brands in the world, right. which wasn't quite the case, you know, yeah. 70 years ago when you know Don Beach was making drinks. Right. It's like you know you mentioned 
Virgin Island rums. It's like, that's not even a thing that we really discuss anymore. We're not like, oh, I have to have a rum for the Virgin Islands. Right. Like, yeah. it's not on really, I mean, yeah. it's still there, yeah. but it's not like the first thing I think of, you yeah. know, as a style. Yeah, and if you historically go back to like, I think it's the 1930s, you see the descriptions of it and like, oh, this is a cane juice rum. This is like not at all like the Crucian we can buy today. Mm -hmm. uh, but obviously the biggest example, the one I keep coming back to over and over again, and I wasn't the first person to to bring this up. You know, you can credit Martin for that, but I was the person who sort of came along and just documented the hell out of like, it was not agricole. That the Martinique rums of 1940s, 50s, 60s mm -hmm. was not agricole. Yes, agricole was being made, but it wasn't going off the island or going off the island. The predominant style. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was like yeah. very clear. Like the locals drink rum agricole. The what's exported is these molasses rums, and and I can't just like pick you know pick up one data point like one newspaper article or one book and say, see, this is my proof. Like no. I have to like prove it extensively, exhaustively, so I can I can take you through ten, twelve authoritative sources and mm -hmm. like connect all those dots, and that's almost certainly not rum agricole. So again, people following letter of the law, I use this Martinique rum. I use rum Clement. I use rum jam. I use St. James. And you're like, that's awesome. But look at what Vic said in '46. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, almost like a Jamaican rum, like dark, almost smoky, a little like a Demerara rum. And you're like, that's not a rum agricole. But right, again, right, right. Like, you know, it's, it's, you know, the more you dig, the more you're like, half of what we're doing is like well-intended, but not necessarily authentic. So uh, when you started putting this together for Minimalist Tiki, um, and I'll say I got that wrong in Minimalist Tiki, because one of the Minimalist Tiki categories is agricultural rum. When I wrote it, I didn't have that realization. Mm, so there's a Minimalist, so mm, what, mm. if I ever redo Minimalist Tiki, it'll be like, yeah, I fucked that well, up. Well, that's where I was going, because you have redone it. You did a different version, so um, which is cool, because there's two different sets of recipes, depending on which version of the book you have, yeah. um, or maybe you have yeah. both of them. But, um, you know... You've laid out the rums. How was the reception of that? Were people like that really were kind of green and they're home bartenders? They don't know a lot about it. Do you still have a lot of that kind of perplexed look of like, I still don't really understand which rum I'm supposed to be buying? Or has that kind of ironed out a lot of those issues? I think that it has, I have, I have many people, you know, email when you come up to me and say like, your rum categorizations were the first to make sense from for mm -hmm. me, uh, so which is very gratifying. Right, it's a totally different kind of categorization, right? Like, instead of being the rum nerd categorization, you're, like, looking at it specifically for this subset yeah. of drinks, which is, you know... Yeah, yeah I, mean, that, I mean, back up a little bit. All the other categorizations were either, you know, we can say these are technical categorizations or some mm -hmm. attributes, some unambiguous attribute that we can categorize by. So, yes, color is unambiguous, like white, yeah, gold, dark. Right. We can... But it's not useful. White rums can taste wildly different. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then categorizations like Gargano, for example, technically accurate. You can say this is a pasta rum. You can say this is a... Yeah, the issue th with some of that, though, is that if you're you know, just kind of an enthusiast, you kind you of have to that. learn a lot about exactly. distillation you to understand, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, clearly it was, you know, like Luca knows his rum. Like he knows his stuff. He knows it at a very deep level. And I know it at a very deep level. So I can look at it and go like, I totally understand this. Yeah. But I also know... 99% of people out there don't, can't look at a bottle and say, well, this is a pot still, or this is a column still rum, or right. this is a blended rum, or this is lightly aged, or this is modern aged. Like, I can, but most people can't. Shit, in this day and age, it's hard to do that at all, trying to figure out where something's even yeah. from. Yeah, but the, the thing I, I did, the thing <clears throat> was I realized is like, 
you know, and, and we can categorize different ways that different categorizations work in different contexts. But what I realized right, is right. I, in the context of tiki drinks, what matters is the flavor, mm-hmm. the, the intent. That's that, the flavor of the rum is mm-hmm. the intent. And so, like, I said, I don't care if it's pot or calm distilled. I don't care what country it is. I went, what is the flavor profile? Right, and right. certainly some sort of jumped out, like, you know, Jamaican rum, Demerara rum. Like, yeah, those are technically country. He was like, yeah, why did you? But no, but they have a well-defined style. But it was the other categories, like lightly aged and filtered. This like the white rums, the, that are right. not the unaged, right? But the white rum, you know, what we call white rums, it's like... Eldorado 3, Havana Club 3, um, Diplomatico Planas, they're mm-hmm. all close enough to serve that need. And it doesn't matter if they're mm-hmm. all pot stilled or all calm stilled. They are white rum, they are rums that have aged, been carbon filtered, not aged a long time. They're close enough. Same with what I call the moderately aged category. Like, like sure, you can use a, you know, a Dorley 6 or you can use a, or whatever, whatever the age, use a Dorley 6, you can use a Mount Gay Eclipse, you can use Florida Kanye 7, mm-hmm. you can use, you know, Bacardi Cocho. They're all close to the flavor profiles dominated by the aging, not the fermentation. Mm-hmm. So realizing, like, again, can you tell the difference between these rums if you sip them? Absolutely. Can you tell the difference in the rums when they've got three quarters of an ounce of passion fruit? Or John, and passion fruit, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> All that stuff and the Jamaican rum, are they like, yeah, that's the thing. Right, you sort of like, right. it's the intent. They're mm-hmm. lengthening it out. And unless you're a super expert taster, you're not going to really notice right. whether they use Picardia. No, you're burying it under a bunch of things. Exactly. So, okay, expanding out from that rum category, I mean, that's enough to tackle but that's coming out of a bottle that you're purchasing, right? Yeah. So, like, when it comes to modifiers, or like a, a banana liqueur or whatever, mm-hmm. like, that can get a little tricky if you're trying to build a 15-bottle bar. Yeah. Like, and I know you've done other books after this. We'll get to it. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, no, no. it's been so long since we've chatted, yeah. and I never really got to talk with you about minimalist tiki other than in passing at different yeah. festivals yeah. and such. So, the, uh, you know, that's where it gets tricky, mm-hmm. right? And I know that you had a little bit of an issue when you were taking... Um, contacting bartenders mm-hmm. and getting recipes is like, you know, we, cause we submitted a couple of drinks for it and it's like, Oh, well shit, we can't use this cause it's too special or you can't use this cause we have four house made syrups and we're trying to make this, you yeah. know, drinks that Dreamline. people can make at and home. And you guys did excellent at that. Well, like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not going to name names, but some, some read the assignment better than others. Yeah. I followed I mean, the assignment. It's <laughs> always tough with those because, you know, of course we're expected to make everything in house and we all want to stand yeah. out from right. one another. Right. And so, yeah, yeah, when we get those like, Oh, Give us a recipe of something that anybody can make at home. Mm-hmm. You know, no special <sighs> syrups. You're like, fuck, well, how do we do that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But you know, that that's a category that gets pretty wildly open. Like you talked about, you know, uh, Curacao or, you know, yeah, Midori for that yeah. matter. You know, I mean, yeah. how do you kind of rein that in to be able to knock a good chunk of beverages out and be versatile without, you know, putting a line of, yeah. of, of, yeah. of liqueurs up there. Yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, that was the, the thinking behind sort of, you know, what I call the core idea of minimalist is don't guess. Don't try to decide like, well, if I need banana liqueur right. more than Midori. Go well, like, all right, let's pick a reasonable number and like now 30 seems low. But like pick a, pick a reasonable number of classic drinks. Like I want to make these classic drinks. Pick a reasonable number analyze them basically you know the chart and book just so many people see the little chart in the book and they're like go bananas i'm like that's just intermediate data to me like what the, what the important mm-hmm. part is like how many dots are in each column in right. that chart but the point is is like is 
you know, take 30 recipes, Mai Tai, Zombie, Three Dots and a Dash. Okay, lime juice, you know, all the, like every, every time I, you know, you just go through every ingredient one by one from recipe to recipe. And every time you see a new, new recipe, you make a little column for it. Mm -hmm. Then each time that recipe, you know, that ingredients you use, add another check marks to the column. And at the end of the day, you add up the check marks. It turns out, is, is that how you did the book? Is it, you, you did this to all these drinks and you looked to see which drinks had the most dots or which ingredients had the yeah, most dots? I mean, like, it was okay, actually, yeah. I mean, it was actually like a spreadsheet. So I said, like, started with the spreadsheet and put all the, um, all the drinks along the, uh, on the going down, put all drinks going down. Mm -hmm. And then across, like, I made, like, here's the juice. Right. Here's the juice. Like, so lime juice, orange juice, pineapple juice. Mm -hmm. I'm forgetting. Mm -hmm. Okay, now here's your, here's your, um, your syrups. Uh, simple syrup, cinnamon syrup, orgeat, passion fruit. Uh, mm -hmm. Here's your um, your liqueurs, um, you know. And I combine bitters and liqueurs together. But like, here's your liqueurs. Here's falernum. Here's mm -hmm. here's uh, whatever. Blah blah blah. Uh, here's your rums. Okay, within my category, it was a Jamaican rum, a Demerara rum, a moderately aged and filled or moderately aged rum. And then in that spreadsheet, every time. You know that recipe appeared, or that ingredient appeared in recipe. Little check mark in there, right. and at the end, I just like sum up each column. At the end of the day, we learned most common ingredient in tiki drinks is lime juice. Yeah, not a surprise. Not, yeah, right. Not we intrinsically, if you you don't, you never think about that. Mm -hmm. But if but when you tell you that, like, well, shit, no shit. Of course, like, obvi that's obvious, but you don't think about it. But twenty out of thirty of those. Oh, okay. we thought about it a lot when the price of limes went oh, through yeah, the roof absolutely. two years ago. You're like, let's What's start that? more Saturns on the menu. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and rums like Jamaican rum, fourteen out of thirty. You're like clearly, sure. You know, so it's sure. it's really you know it's like people are like, oh my, that's amazing. I'm like, it's like really just common sense. Just plotted like, it out on a plotted out. It's just common sense. Like, and I you know the first version. Yeah, but I did, realistically, come on, nobody's gonna do that unless you're writing a book called Minimalist Sticky. We're yeah, not gonna plot yeah. out all these beverages. Yeah, well, you know, you know this this this. this is why I'm good at what I do is I can be very analytical. So, yeah, I it was that that sort of realization of like like to your to your question like how do you do it without those ingredients? Like, well, figure out like don't guess what you're going to use the most. Like, just go do the little bit of math. Go right. go make a little you know cross mark chart and do the math. You know. Well, you did the work in the book, and it's it is a fun book. You got tons of bars represented, which is all, the other part yeah. of it I really like because it's. Almost like um, you know a lot of those punch articles and things that we see, where you're like, "Here's an article about X, Y, or Z cocktail or trend, and here's a cocktail from two different bars." And mm -hmm. so you kind of did that in book format. And like I said, there was two different um, kind of versions of the book that were released. I think we switched uh, one of our, our beverages on the second edition. No. So what happened? The what happened is the original, the original book, first edition, the printing, printings one and two, were had the recipes for thirty, the thirty classics. So basically, mm -hmm. the Mai Tai Zombie, whatever. Those recipes were in there, like in the in the end. We almost didn't even put them in there, but like people will want them, mm -hmm. put them in there. And then it was a hundred recipes from bars, like Inferno. Wow, really? Where there was that many in there? There was that many in there. So in the third printing, we were in the middle of COVID. And we're like, how can we help bartenders? This is one of the reasons we did this. How can we help bartenders? Like, let's let's get rid of those original recipes. Like, people love you know people love these recipes, but they can go find them online. Sure, Jeff's got his online. There's other ones on like, like why tell people what's already out there? Like, let's give bartenders money. Like, basically paid them for some of the recipes for like to give us like thirty new recipes. And it wasn't mm -hmm. just like any thirty new recipes. We said the genius was let's replace 
each of the ones we've gotten rid of with a modern take on it. Mm, so a mm -hmm. modern Mai Tai. So who, so who wants to do the modern Mai Tai version? Who wants to do a modern zombie? Who wants to do a modern, you know, inspired three dots and a dash? And so mm -hmm. uh, we worked with um, the six, six who more people. Who wants to do a modern Polynesian paralysis? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, and six, six bars stepped up and, and gave some great recipes. I mean, your the pineapple paralysis from Inferno Room is just a goddamn good recipe, and I keep making it like damn genius. So, so yeah, so we, we basically the way you know some people are like, oh, you took away the you took away the classic recipes. Like, yes, we did, but we gave you more. We actually gave right. you like thirty more recipes. We didn't, and we didn't swap all the recipes. It was just like the hundred original recipes have always new recipes have always been in there. We took out the Mai Tai Zombie Three Dots and a Dash, which you can find. We swapped it for modern takes on these. Right, and like I said, um, we all had. To, when we were submitting recipes to you, we all had to color in the lines because we needed to meet the whole kind of concept and purpose of the book was to not have all these esoteric ingredients. And some um, people are better at coloring than others. You know, it's um, <laughs> like I said, it is tough. But you know, it's also um, you know when you're given restrictions, it's always fun to try to like yeah. how do you, you know, work within that? Right, exactly. And that's what we did. In fact, that um, that pineapple paralysis wasn't one that was on the menu. Prior to that, it's something that we've been playing with, but we hadn't really finalized it until we kind of got a, a kick in the butt to mm -hmm. color in the lines. We're like, all right, yeah. let's, let's make that happen. Um, so anyhow, we've been talking for a half an hour about your minimalist tiki. It's pretty I'm fucking awesome. All, I love it. I mean, ever. I do. And, you know, yeah. we're about to go to a big tiki event together, which is why you're in Indianapolis yeah. at the moment. Um, so, but that really kind of was the first one. You got your feet wet. You're kind of figuring out, like, mm -hmm. here's how you self-publish. Here's mm -hmm. how you do the thing. Here's how you box things up and warehouse them in your apartment and mm. send them all over the world sometimes. And operate I Shopify that, and right, figure right, out right. international shipping and yeah. all, all the stuff. Right. Well, sometimes. Yeah. I always see everybody complaining about international like access. We so. ship. <laughs> it, it just costs money, right, but right, that, right, that, right. that ain't hard. Like, we don't make money Sure, that. sure. Yeah. So um, moving forward, right? So then you, um, your second book came out, mm -hmm. which is? Modern Caribbean Rum. So, and that's relatively new, right? Yeah. I uh, can't it, drop one, but a year ago? It uh, came out uh, November 2022. Okay, yeah. So Ten almost months. almost Ten. a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So a much deeper dive, um, and it it's definitely a geekier book, for sure. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's huge. So, uh, you know. And it's funny, like we, tell, like we tell people, like, so it's big. And like, okay, cool. And I get it. Like, holy shit, like, it's huge. Like, I know, we told you. Like, yeah, you're doing a book signing <laughs> over, and like, Chris had them arrive, and he was like, Jesus, man, Matt wasn't fucking kidding. He's like, these boxes are so fucking heavy, and there's only six in each box. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, um, this is a little bit more like the kind of writing style that we're used to seeing on your blog. Um, do you still maintain the blog, actually? Yeah, no, I mean, I still do. So, you know, the cocktail walk, rum walk, I basically... Like, right, I knew you were doing rum walk. <clears throat> yeah, right. yeah. So the, re the, the thinking there was, is like trying to like, I was jamming like, it was a cocktail walk was pretty much a rum blog. I'm like, right, okay, right. Okay, we're doing, we're publishing books now. Let's just like rectify all this. So mm -hmm. cocktail walk remains. So if it's anything cocktail related, tiki related, goes to cocktail walk. But all the, the nerdy rum shit, now I yeah. can go, I can, I can put yeah. on rum walk and like, no apologies. Like if you can't keep up, that's okay. You know, it's okay. But this is this is where I can nerd yeah, out. Yeah, and rum. and the rum community is a nerdy community, and it's just it's amazing the kind of access to information that we all have now. That I mean, even stretching back to you know 2010 when I first started getting into rum, I mean we had access to like 
fuck, probably 14, 15 bottles in Indianapolis. And like most of those bottles don't any longer have a shelf space. I mean, but at the time it was like, wow, this is the best thing we can get. Now we've got, you know, I don't know, 300 bottles on the shelf, maybe more, some really unicorns. And it's like that access is coming through knowledge, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, people were like hungry for it. There's people out there that have that knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's history geeks like you, history geeks like Richard Seal, dudes that like have the, 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 uh, you know, old, papers and stuff like Alexander Gabriel. Like yeah. there's a lot of, yeah. there's stuff out there, but it's just, it's a lot. It's like an info dump, right? It's a lot to comb through. Right. It's old. The copies may not be so fantastic. Yeah. You really have to be a history nerd to yeah. be there's into it. There's a lot of context you have to have to be able to read that. And that's what I was used to, like seeing, I mean, Cocktail Wonk got deeper and deeper and deaper and deeper and deeper. And, deeper, and you probably lost like a lot of your readership because yeah. they're like, well, you just, wrote, you just used to want, write about Mai Tai. I just wanted Mai Tai. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no, I why are we talking know. about bacterial fermentation? Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it definitely drew a lot of people in um, during that time. So it was very cool to see you turn that into a book. But it is a busy um, kind of genre of book, as, as you said. Like a lot of people, anybody would like kind of even passing knowledge of rum seems to have tried to write a book at some point about it. And so, you know, since it is such a crowded space, what made you think like, fuck it, I can, I'm jumping in, I'm going to do this. I'm going to write a, a huge book and, and kind of, uh, again, filling a, a niche that hasn't been satisfied yet. So, um, believe it or not, um, one of, one of the impetus for this was, was Fred Minnick. Like he has his book. He has uh, rum curious. Yeah. 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 And, I was essentially one of the technical editors of that. Like he mm. had me review the chapters. I gave him feedback. He fixed some change things. Very happy to do it. And then at the end of it, he said, "Like you should write your own book." That was actually what triggered me. Like, I yeah, you're right. I should write a rum book. This was in 2016, and you know, and I got excited and made outlines, and then nobody would publish this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and you know, and the original vision for it was it was not terribly different than what it came out to be. Mm-hmm. But that's you know, good. I think, you know, but I was, I was like, yeah, it'll be like a 300-page book. You know, I thought in 2016 I had been to, to Jamaica and Barbados. I know enough to write this book. I can go to a three or four more countries and write this book. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, in the intervening years. I do seem to recall you traveling around a lot back then. I was, yeah. That's, it was, that's right. I do remember that. Yeah, I was fortunate. Like, I kept, like, going to stories. And some of it was my own money, and some of it was, like, like Worspa. Um, you know, Worspa took me to Jamaica in 2016 with Martin, Kate, and Camper English, and Kate Perry, and yeah, you had like a fun crew. That, that went was down there. a fun crew, but but yeah, that was that, that was, was that was leading up to the Martinique trip for uh, Chris and I, and then yep. like because Kate joined us yeah. from like directly from Jamaica oh, over right. okay. to Martinique. I was yeah, like, wow, yeah, that's, I forgot that. That's fucking. Like, <laughs> yeah, a constitution of iron yeah, to be able right? to do two straight to be able weeks. To, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, <clears throat> um, those trips, sort of like those trips, uh, and Fred Minnick's, you know, pushing sort of made me like, I want to do this, you know. And then I always think like, I, I knew enough, but um, never know enough. <laughs> I know, I, yeah, enough enough to write the book. But then, I mean, one of the um, seminal moments I didn't realize that uh, at like when we were. Uh, driving to New Orleans, I got a phone call and like somebody I won't name them. Somebody said like, um, "Worspa would like to talk with you." Like, like I what? Worspa being the West Indies Rum and Spirits Producers mm-hmm. Association. Um, it's a confusing thing, but long story short, think of it as like the Kentucky Bourbon Association, like the the producer group that's responsible for promoting and looking out for the collective interest of a particular spirit. Worspa mm-hmm. is that for Caribbean rum and. 
um, they want to talk with me about possibly working with them and doing like social media and other stuff. Uh, and that, you know, and they ended up, they flew me down to St. Lucia, gave me like the gig. I mean, it's a part-time gig. It pays me, you know, well enough for the work I do, time I spend on it. But it opened up like the, it's sort of like, I thought I knew enough. And then like, you get a peek behind the curtain, like you have no yeah, idea right. what you don't know. Right. Uh, and the people there, Vaughn and Carol Ann, have been remarkably open and transparent. This is what's going on. This is this and this and this and sharing information like, Oh, okay. This book got a lot bigger from this, right? This so, went, yeah, I mean, it went from like I'm just going to write about a bunch of rum stories. Like, no, we're going to talk about the business of rum and tariffs and GIs right. and all that kind of stuff. That's what I was going to ask about. You know, I alluded to it when we were talking about the historical, um, you know, position of rum and importation, et cetera, and exportation, I guess. Um, but yeah, you could fill a thousand pages just of like the distilleries that are operating today. But when you get into like history, I mean. They're all, all these archives are handled by multiple distilleries, multiple historical societies, multiple countries, multiple languages, mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, how do you even start chipping away at, at that, that stone? Yeah. I know, know that you did a lot of work um, kind of looking through, you know, Jamaican archives mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, Barbadian archives and it just, it's, it's a lot. Cause I mean, a lot of times you'll do, you'll post a scan of some of the stuff that you're reading. Mm -hmm. It's hard to even read, you know, yeah. it's, it's. You yeah. know, kind of aged, yellowed. Yeah. The typesets are weird. Right. You know, yeah. the language like, can be strange. All, you know? all of the all of the what should be S's or F's. You know, right. That, yeah, that that's exactly what I was thinking in my <laughs> yeah. head. It was like, yeah. Yeah. How do, yeah. So, um, you know, it's, you know, some point it's just like practice. But right. I also, um, become a computer guy. Yeah. And I use all the tools I have at my disposal, and and one of them was realizing. Like, you know, as, as, you know, our normal everyday lives, like I need to find out something, I'm going to know more about something. We go to the browser, we type into Google, and we're like, oh, mm -hmm. okay, what does Google tell me? The idea of like, I have a question, let me search a body of documents and find, see what it says, see what's the highest rank. And I realized that like, I couldn't keep track of all these documents if I just like, like, yeah, here's, I saved it in some files somewhere, right. whatever. So I realized- Which is how most of us do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. and I realized, no, I, you know, you're a software guy, you're smart. Like, I basically realized I need to create my own private Google, my own rum Google mm -hmm. with, filled with these, with these documents. So uh, I started, I mean, it's, Essentially, the same software that like PhD. Um, okay, I was going to ask, how does that work? But, yeah, so yeah. basically, there's 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 a variety of different um, software products out there. I used one called Zotero. It's free, but it's essentially what they call reference management. The idea mm -hmm. of like when you're writing a PhD, you have to cite a bunch of papers, sure. and they have to all cite it in a particular way, blah, blah blah. So what you do is you just throw all of your documents that you used into Zotero, and it will like spit out citations and bibliographies, all that kind of shit. But also Within that body of documents, you can search for stuff. So mm. as long as what, what goes in is a PDF, and it's like OCR, meaning like you can search. Like if you open up a PDF, you can search for things. Sure. If it's if it's OCR, um, you can put it in there, and basically it becomes it's sort of a half-assed Google. Man, my mind's blown here because I like I, this. Is the first I've heard of it. It's not my industry, you yeah. know. I'm like, wow, that's yeah. Yeah. I, like I want to see this in action. That's no, fantastic. No, come to my house. Yeah. So you're yeah, you're feeding all these documents. Yeah. Into as it. I find them, 
I, if they're not OCR, usually at this point, I just OCR them myself. I can sure. actually, and unless it's a Google Books type of document, I can do better OCR. Like I have to mm -hmm. specialize OCR software. I literally just grab documents. I OCR them, put them in there. And like, I don't have to read them and understand them and process them in that moment. Right. I just know when I need it, I'll be able to find it very quickly. Now, every document I know. So have you become like a completionist every time you see something old? Like, I don't know if I need it now, but I but need no, to have no, it in my database. That, no, that, that's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> it. That would be the problem I can see if it were me. I'm like, I just need to have all of the data. No, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm like, and then stuff like it at some point, and like, I got pretty far with that. I got better. And then one of the things like, well, guess what? You're, you still are looking at a one-dimensional view of the world because everything in there is in English. Sure. And like, oh, yeah. shit, all this French stuff. And people like... Um, uh, Steve Schellenberger, Boston Apothecary, like he's reading French stuff. I'm like, I don't know, uh, shit, okay. And at some point it became obvious, like I'm missing a whole slice right. of the universe, don't read French. And again, software geek realizes like, oh, Microsoft Word can translate, can translate large mm -hmm. documents well enough that you can at least understand the intent. Uh, and then I'm like, okay, well, wait, I can give PDF. I can fit PDF to Word. I can take that Word, run it through Microsoft, translate to get good enough to read it. And then if I need like a better translation, I can yeah. go to Google or whatever. And That's what I was going to ask. Them, like, do you, ha you end up like with any, like butting your head against a wall with like either a mistranslation or something that's like a little bit more nuanced that, you know, it's, it's I guess it's hard to, to know what you don't know. But yeah, that's, a, <laughs> right. that's exactly it. Um, you know, and I have, I have, you know, I mean, some of it, again, some of it's practice. You realize sure. this is how the translation is going to have it come across. Um, there's this weird thing where the translation for, um, for molasses, uh, uh, with the French word, I forget the French word, but basically, um, I should remember it. Yeah, but right. when translated, because you're it, searching it, you're not, yeah. you don't have but to when, digest yeah. it. When you when the, the French, whatever the French word, it basically uh, can translate to molasses or um, or candy. No, I'm sorry, like sugar factory or candy. Right, right, right. And so and that's what I was thinking. You know, yeah. like a, there's nuances of language. Yeah. That, so I'm know, reading. Yeah, I'm reading documents rough. that says blah 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 cane juice rum blah 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 candy rum like okay. And you have to know, mm. are the, is it candy rum? Is, I miss, is candy rum, does it mean sweetened rum? Or is there some other thing? Right. And at some point, you know, I'm fortunate enough, I have domain experts who speak other languages. I can go to, like, the French rum guy, right. French expert, and like, what does this actually mean? Like, oh, okay, clarify it. And then so, that, build, again, you build your own mental mapping. Have you started to, like become a little bit more fluent in other languages. I know? haven't learned, so it's funny. I haven't, but again, it's, we're talking about very old versions. I mean, in some cases, 300-year-old dialects, yeah. and you yeah. know, I mean, hell, Parallel English is hard I, to understand I, from 300 years ago. Oh, no, yeah, I have, I've done the work to translate some of the Paralabat stuff from 1694. Yeah. Um, said, you... You know, everything is case by case. But it's you like look I at, speak French, but I only speak four hundred year old French. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So in, in my case, it's funny. Like I can't just read French flat out. I should learn yeah. French someday. I will have to learn French. It would make my life much easier. But mm -hmm. what I what I can do is I can like scan the words enough to go. Look. There's keywords. I'm like, right. this is there's gold. It's like panning for gold. You know, like, like yeah, there's something I here. Got to figure something it out. here. Go translate this because you can't go translate mm -hmm. everything. Because I mean, one of one of the most challenging 
aspects of this research when you're going back in documents is there are almost in no cases, very few documents, historical documents that I found are about rum. There are documents about sugar mm. and documents about documents about sugar, documents about taxation or whatever. And so you have to to learn the terminology of sugar right. and what it's so you need to be able to look okay. All the ancillary businesses All around the, it. Yeah, yeah. you have to learn that stuff. And then, you know, so, so many books you're gonna be like, it's 350 pages of sugar and milling sugar and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And now, oh look, there's a chapter at the end of rum and that chapter is gold. Right. But if you don't know that, you'll be like, this is a book mm -hmm. about sugar. I don't care about this. Like so you you get used to like did like learning what keywords and what shit you just kind of like actually. Yeah, that gets tricky. I mean, yeah. I, I was on the hunt for years. At, well, I mean, I still would love to see a, a reference tool, but like that specifically talked about cane varietals and, you know, details about that. And the only reference material I ever found about it was from like the Louisiana, you know, sugar producers. Yeah. Although there is one and I've talked about it on the show before, but, um, the University of Hawaii worked with Kohana Rum, yeah. and but it's of course only Hawaiian sugarcane varietals. Right. Um, but it's like this is what I've been looking for. Like Where this is done well. Like now yeah. we just need to do it with like all of them. All but the I mean, it's just not something that a, a lot of people um, pay much attention to. I mean, if, if, no. even the you know the producers that are making you know molasses yeah. from they did, yeah. they don't need to know what went yeah. in it. You know, yeah. at the, yeah. at the other Schellen, side. I mean, yes, Schellenberger has made this point that like. So many rum producers out there, and I guess you know, true across most spirits, they're rediscovering the wheel. Right. And you're like, the information out there is great, fantastic research by H.H. H. Cousins and Ashby and Curvagant that's out there. But you're a modern rum producer, you got to make rum, you got to make money, whatever. You're like, you don't have time to go read right, these old right. documents and figure out, like, which one is like, yeah, they didn't know what they're talking about. Like, but no, this one actually has yeah. good shit in it. That's life, isn't it, right? There's, it no, there's no time to learn all of the little exactly, minutiae that we exactly. want to know. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, the book's been doing pretty well. We talked sales figures yesterday, and I'm glad that, you know, things are moving along, especially <laughs> since you're doing self-publishing and all that. Um, you know, that who is the target market for this? I mean, because it is a geeky book. Are you trying to get people deeper into rum or are you just getting for the geeks to kind of like really go down that extra yeah, layer of right. the rabbit hole? Yeah. Because it strikes me as a pretty nerdy book that, you know, would be hard to hand to, to most people. Yeah. So what, I mean, what... It's like uh, giving them a master psalm yeah, book. Yeah, like, yeah. here you go. Yeah. So, I mean, what I would say is, you know, we've talked a lot about history, and there's history in the book, but it was not intended to be a history book. Mm -hmm. Like, if it was a rum history book, like, I'd still be writing it. Right, sure. Like, I right. know how a much... 10,000 page book. Oh, yeah. No, I absolutely know how insane that would be. doesn't mean I won't write a history book someday, but th this book was, like, using history to sort of, like, give you the context sure. for what's happening now. So it's not like, right. why did they do this? Mm -hmm. well, like, okay, historically... This was the story. Which again, so, we're, we're it's modern rum, right? Yeah, like so. Yeah, but the book is modern Caribbean rum, and so um, the the goal is to give the moderate level enthusiast to the geek, um, or the super geek, an un. Here's what I want to do. I wanted to give as much cover as much material about the modern rum industry in the Caribbean as possible, and I wanted to do it in a consistent voice with a consistent approach because there's so much information out there which may or may not be correct but even if it's correct it's like this person you know went on a press trip and went to this story and learned these mm -hmm. facts 
So they, they learn what they've told and they can report that, but there's other facts that they maybe didn't learn so didn't bother to report. So the available, like, yes, you can go search for information on the internet and find this blog said this or this blog said this, but none of, like, you know, even, even if one of them has a you know, certain amount of domain expertise, there's other stuff they don't cover. And mm -hmm. I sort of took it on myself to say, okay, I have a fairly broad domain expertise across many of these areas, and now I'm going to systematically and methodically work my way through them. Mm -hmm. So you, when, what you read about in the Cuban rum chapter is going to have the same approach, the same, the same focus, the same terminology, the right. same level of depth of, of, of knowledge as the Jamaican chapter, as the Demerara chapter. So... Um, you know, it, when people like, you know, I don't want to call it an encyclopedia because it's not an encyclopedia. I want mm -hmm. it to be readable, right. but you can treat it as an encyclopedia. Sure. So if you a reference tool, it's a reference tool. So you know, I feel like the first uh, two thirds of the book is like this is just background information. Like mm -hmm. this is shit you should know. You can like sit down and read a chapter a night and learn from those first uh, 17 chapters, mm -hmm. you can learn a lot without ever reading about, right. specifically reading about Jamaican rum or Cuban rum mm. or whatever. So the, the second half of the book is more the reference. Once you've got through the first third, you're like, okay, now I, right. now I have, I've, like my brain has been expanded. Kind I of calibrated, how, right? Yeah, expanded and calibrated. Now I'm ready to go read about, say, Cuban rum, if that's my interest, and not and not have to have all the shit explained mm -hmm. as part of it, so I can right. jump into the fermentation part and not go like, okay, here's what fermentation is, and, right? Because right, I didn't right. want to repeat that shit over yeah, and yeah, over and sure. over and over again. So I mean, the book's doing well. It's only been out for ten months, but like this is the one that really kind of lit rum, or I'm sorry, the Wonk Press up, right? Yeah. So like, you're now at a point where um, you are taking on other projects right. that are not authored by yourself yeah. or your wife, um, you know, explain where direction you're going with that. Because I mean, th this is a pretty, it's a, it's a hard left turn for yeah. you, right? Like you I, went from I agree. cocktail blog yeah. to like a rum focused yeah. or like a tiki focused right. blog. And then it was more rum focused and then got down deep rabbit holes. Right. But like, you've got a publishing company now, right. like it's, yeah. it's wild, man. So, yeah. I mean, like you've got your two books out, which makes sense, right? right? You yeah. know, but like where, where does where it go from go here? Up? Yeah. So we are actually, it was in the middle of COVID or toward the end of COVID, uh, a gentleman named Tiki Tom Tom or Tom Jane uh, came to New Orleans. He was on a tour of like home tiki bars. He just decided this is what I want to do. I'm going to retire from my job and go tour home tiki bars. And he came through New Orleans. He messaged me like, hey, I want to, you know, like to meet up. Let's meet up in Latitude or something. I'm like, great. Meet up at Latitude. And, you know, 10 minutes after meeting, we're chatting. And he's just like, like I'm thinking I want to do a book. I'm like, like, who was your publisher? Mm. And I, you know, I won't, you know, maybe I'm misremembering it. But at that moment, I'm like, like, like nobody else will get this. No, no other publisher. Like, I want this book for so No other publisher will grasp that there's a community out there that will buy the right. hell out of yeah, this sure. book. And I'm like, you know, we could do like, there's no reason. Like, we've learned how to do this. Like, we don't have to be to author these books ourselves. And, you know, I went back and talked with Carrie and we sort of realized, like, yeah, we can do, you know, like the model we came up with was essentially like 
profit sharing. Like we see it as other authors, like the authors come to us with an idea and then maybe another publisher, big publisher wouldn't take it, but they come up with an idea and a passion and a market. Like we know, like we know rum geeks will buy book. We know tiki people will buy book. Mm -hmm. That's why we didn't, weren't afraid to take a, pro, a leap with Tom's book to, to go into a tiki market. Like we know we're in Makihiki this weekend. Like we know people will buy this shit. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And so we, and the way we start thinking about it is like, like we know we had very good by that point, good knowledge of like, here's how much a book can sell for. Here's how much it costs us to produce it. Here's how much it costs to, to um, print it. And we, you know, we have a spreadsheet and like, okay, based upon these numbers, like what, how big the book is, what's purchase prices. We can, at the end of the day, before it's even finished, kind of tell you like at the end of the day, there will be X thousand dollars of profit. Sure. And we said like, okay, let's work with the authors here and like, let's find a ratio that works. And like, like so basically you've contributed your intellectual property. You've given your words and your images and your vision and we've contributed like laying the book, printing the book, distributing the book. So there's some profit margin or, you know, ratio with like sure. profit. And so we could be very upfront with this. Like this is about how much you make a book. I mean, per book, I can tell you that, that Tom and our other author will make far more per book than than a than traditionally published book. So just I mean very quick math, a book like uh, there's a, there's a well there's a very well loved tiki book sells for like forty dollars, not art sells for forty dollars. Uh, the uh, royalty percentage is typically say ten percent, ten percent of the wholesale price. So a forty dollar book probably wholesales for twenty dollars. The author makes ten percent of that wholesale price. So that author makes two dollars sure, a book. Yeah. So you're like, that sucks. Like I have to sell a hell of a lot of books to to make actually make this better better spend use of my time than working at McDonald's or something like that. So um, in our in our scenario, the authors go in knowing like, okay, yeah, we can definitely sell this many thousand copies of books. We can definitely make this profit margin for books. Yeah, sure. And yeah. you obviously don't have to print ten thousand books at once. Yeah, or... ex exactly. So I mean you've got the, the tiki home tiki bar book. Yeah, coming. so that's yeah, it's Polynesiac. Yeah, you have um Anything else in the pipeline? We have another one pipeline. That Anything you can talk about, or is it I can, all? I'll, I'll tease a little bit. Um, soon it will be it will be known, but um, it's another spirit, uh, a very beloved spirit, very popular spirit, um, written by it's vodka, isn't it? I knew yeah, you were a vodka. Yeah, you I know, knew it. <laughs> you knew it, damn it. Yeah, no, very popular spirit. Um, I would I could almost say rum adjacent, but a very popular spirit, um, beloved uh, person. Uh, who's worked in this in that spirit for for many years, decades, and um, we threw a long story, which I'll be able to share more fully later. Long yeah, story. absolutely. I'm not trying to. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Know, no, I'm I'm just trying. I'm trying to like in the investigative teach. journalism or anything. Exactly. But like, so you've got that. That'll be uh, the second non-authored book. Yeah, I mean, and, is this something that you're planning on growing? I mean, oh, is no. that is that the intent? Absol right? Like, absolutely. Yeah. You're we, kind of full speed ahead. Right. Uh, and I keep seeing, you know. Uh, Wonk Press out there, yeah. and you've got obviously a couple books under your belt. Still doing research. Other I'm doing books another yourself, book. Yeah, no, we're but another, yeah. like you yeah. know, obviously that's not going to sustain a publishing company. Oh, no. So you've got yeah. other people. You're are you kind of, kind of are you seeking folks out, or are they coming to you? The or, latter. Yeah, yeah we yeah. we have been um, after. I mean, I'd say especially after Polynesiacs, people coming. Polynesiacs is what people see, and they go like, oh. 
they can publish this book for me. Mm -hmm. I have an idea for a book. So you'd be surprised. There are people here at Makahiki, several people here at Makahiki, who have approached us like, I would like to talk with you about a book. Like, yeah. I have an idea. And we don't say like, yes, no, right away. But we're like, let's figure it out. Like, the same thing a normal publisher would do. Like, sure. say, what's your vision? Mm -hmm. You know, is this a five-page book? Is it a 100-page book? Is it a 300-page book? What's your market? Like, how do you, how you promote it? We basically tease out, like, if we think this is good or not. If we think it's good, we'll tell you. I'm like, okay, great. We will, we, we are, we're not going to, like, sign a contract right now. Right, we are right, tell right. you, like, we need you do the work. When you mm -hmm. deliver your words and your, your photographs or whatever, when you hand us over the raw material to create a book out of it, we'll lock it down right then and there. We'll tell you like this book yeah, will sell for about- super cool, man. Yeah, so we don't, so we're not, you know, we, we, it's not this model of like, oh, we, we'd like this publisher's a vision and, and now here's, a, here's, a, here's an advance and go do this. And then mm -hmm, when, they, when right. they're late, we're not nagging them. Like, sure. come on, man, come on, what's the story? We're like- we th we will publish this book when you hand us the material for it, yeah. and you will see everything up front. And you'll know how much it cost us, what we're charging to produce it, what the production costs are. You'll know all that stuff. So it's extreme transparency, and it's a partnership that you know the the profit split ratio is enough where like you like the authors care. They're like, yeah, I'm going to go promote it because I every book we sell, you win, we win type mm. of thing. And so, is that we have people from Makihiki here, or it's more it's more a matter of like who's going to cross the finish line sure, first, right. who's going to deliver the next one. Right, right, right. So as we kind of wind down here today, I mean, it sounds like you've got a ton of stuff going on, like, and I'm sure you're going to start getting hit up with all of everybody that listens to this that's got a book. I, I'm yeah. just kidding. There's probably not that many, but you, you know, it does seem like, you know, it's, we're living in the golden era of cocktail books. That's for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, if you don't believe me, just look at like camper English's like Instagram feed. He always yeah. puts up like, here's the 75 books I got this month. All right. You know? Right. It's, it's wild. It's wild. So we're, should people find you? I know they can find you online at a lot of places. It seems to me like all you have to do is join a rum or tiki Facebook group and it'll eventually have Matt recommending one of his books to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it's true. You know, you know, like it's true. Like you have to promote the book. Yeah, like, yeah. So, I mean, where's the best place to get you? I mean, you said you're still operating Cocktail Wonk, Rum yeah. Wonk. You've yeah. got the books, you've got, uh, you know, Wonk Press. Like, right. If somebody what needs to reach out to you for a book or if they want to reach yeah. out to you yeah. for uh, a question that yeah. they've got about yeah. modern yeah. Caribbean rum, I mean, like, is there one solid place to find I, you? Yeah, I, it... I wish I didn't have six emails for, right. just, for different things, for different things, but... Um, so they all know. are all separated up. If you yeah, have a, they have, you have a yeah, cocktail question, like, get cocktail. Yeah, I have cocktail walk as a business, rum walk as a business, the walk press as a business, others, it's like, yeah. Um, I would say the, uh, I mean, for, for, I mean, the email I've given away, I've given away around for a very long time. It's just cocktailwonk at gmail.com. Um, I have new ones for the other businesses. But, sure. But long story short, you know, email, email is what I, you know, I get people like messaging me on Instagrams. I'm like, right. I don't, like, I'm not, you know, I can't go follow Instagram. Like, I will eventually see it. It may be right. three weeks later. Right, right, but, right. Yeah, email me, cocktailwonk at gmail.com. I mean, to follow your new work, where is the best place? I mean, is there like so, a yeah. link tree? <laughs> it sounds like you need a link tree. Yeah, so, right? yeah, yeah. so I have a link tree. So Oh, you do? I was just kidding. Yeah. Oh, no, no, <laughs> I do. Um, basically, it's actually really simple. Uh, I'll think, you know, three wonks. You want, you want my tiki cocktail stuff? Cocktailwonk.com. Take the name.com. Want my rum geek stuff? Rumwonk.com. It's, it's a sub stack. 
um, and you can you can you know contribute if you want type of thing. Like everything's mm-hmm. free, but if you want to throw money my way just for support me, we love that. We appreciate that. We got a lot of people are doing that. We're very grateful for that. Because um, there's no advertising. I'm not taking right, advertising. Right, right, right. Nobody's subsidizing this. this Dude, tell me about it. Yeah. I know. I'm like I get so tempted to take advertisers like. But do we really need another Squarespace ad? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. So, so yeah, for rum stuff, it's rumwonk.com. Cool. And for book stuff, wonkfresh.com. So, sure. so yeah. So you know, you can find I'm on all of theirs. And then of course the the Insta- Instagram account, cocktail walk, rum walk, wonk press, Super. Facebook, cocktail walk. You know, it's sort of, I try to be consistent. All about nailed that. down. Fantastic, man. Yeah. I appreciate you coming back on the show. It's no, been a I'm, while. There's so much to talk about. I think the last time we got so drunk, we did a two parter. Bay. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Carrie was on the second one. Yes. That, yeah, that no. was fun. It yeah, was, was a good time. It was a good time. And, um, you know, as we're wrapping up the episode, I do want to thank everybody out there. And since I did take a rather lengthy hiatus from Shift Drink, um, definitely encouraging everybody to kind of help me out in those algorithms once again and, you know, review, uh, like, subscribe send me money, whatever, (laughs) you know, right. All the shit. Like, right. I mean, whatever, but, uh, it definitely helps spread the word of hopefully you learned something, uh, with some of our interviews. And if that's the case, please share it on your social media. Um, since I kind of fell off, uh, for about a year there, you know, it's like starting from scratch again, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. the good part or the good, I guess, uh, aspect of that is that, uh, yeah, I don't really have any advertisers. I don't really (laughs) care. I do this for my own gratification. If like one person listened to it, that would be fine. If nobody listens to it, that's fine too. It's one less headache. It's just, you know, it's you and I sitting here talking and we happen to have microphones. So, uh, you can find us at shiftdrinkpodcast.com, um, Instagram. I'm trying to get back more active. Um, you can find me, um, uh, same, same, and then uh, you can always follow me on my personal, but it's linked through. There's not, not nearly as much interesting stuff there, but um, absolutely find us at shiftdrinkpodcast.com. Subscribe, like, yada yada. Smash the like button. Is that what all the kids say, right? Um, until next time, Mr. Patrick, Mr. Cocktail Wonk. Let's not do it six years from now. Let's, let's do it not. Like a, let's a not. A year from now. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. All right. Cheers. Cheers.